I'm Polly. I'm a mom, a wife, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and founder of No Kegels University. I have helped thousands of women stop leaking, enjoy intimacy, and feel proud of their bodies, even after having kids. After years of listening to women wonder why no one talks about leaking, how they should properly recover after having a baby, and that pleasurable intimacy is possible, I started to get real frustrated because I believe that no mom or woman should struggle when there are answers. It became my mission to shed light on the lack of postpartum care and the lack of discussion on issues that relate to women and their health, even if they can be uncomfortable sometimes. It also became my mission to change the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more. Here we go. Episode 69, why do I pee when I sneeze? I love answering this question and mostly because I feel like there's a lot of miscommunication as to why we might pee when we sneeze. And the reason that I think that that happens quite a bit, to be quite honest with you, is because I just think there's this narrative that's going around and around and around that, yes, you pee when you sneeze, it's because you had kids. But what I often like to think about is that you having kids doesn't change how your muscles function with your legs, right? Because when you're pregnant, you carry around a lot of weight that you didn't necessarily have to carry around before. That doesn't give permission to those leg muscles to say, yes, I'm gonna take a break. I'm just gonna give out every time that you get, get up. That would be so silly, right? But when I hear people say, oh yeah, I sneeze because I had, or I, when I sneeze, I leak, that's because I had kids. I am so sorry, that's not exactly it. Now, I will go into a uh, myth-busting episode on another day where having kids does not necessarily wreck your pelvic floor. In fact, many of my patients come back with an even stronger pelvic floor than what they had ever had before. So, using this idea of, yep, I had kids, that's why, um, that's why I sneeze, or when I sneeze, I pee. So I think it's really important to first and foremost understand one of the jobs of the pelvic floor because it has many. So first and foremost, your pelvic floor has over 12 muscles and there are three layers and it does not look like the hammock that so many people have led you to believe. Some people will say, oh yeah, it's like those muscles, they start at the front and then they loop around to the back and it's a whole big hammock. It's actually more of a house, but that's not what I'm here to talk to you about today. Those muscles, one of their jobs is, is anytime it perceives that downward pressure, so like when we sneeze, hachoo, our pelvic floor muscles tighten up against our urethra, the hose that is, that is what allows the urine to exit our body. And so when it, those muscles squeeze against that urethra, it shuts it off. Or think of it this way with me for a moment, I'm sure you have been out in the yard and you've had a hose on and the water's coming out and it's either wrecking the flower bed or someone's yelling at you to turn it off and you're like, I know, I know, I know, I'll get to it. And you can't get to the spigot quick enough to get it turned off. And then next thing you know, you step on the end of the hose. That's essentially what that pelvic floor is doing is it's you stepping on the end of that hose. And that's important because imagine if going back to those legs, if your legs were weak because you had babies, because you had to carry around 
a lot more weight than what you typically did. Well, is your leg going to be strong enough to step on that edge of the hose? That's so silly, isn't it? But that's the same type of thinking that I feel like goes along with having um, leakage just because you had babies. Your leg is still strong enough, pregnant or not pregnant, for you to generate enough pressure to put your heel or put your foot on that hose with running water to turn it off. And your pelvic floor is the same, whether you've had kids or not. So you sneezing and leaking is just a sign that your pelvic floor is not strong enough and or is not in a position to do what it's supposed to do. And so when I hear someone say, yes, I leak when I sneeze or when I cough or what have you, what that is telling us is that we need to get to work to ensure that your muscles are doing what they're supposed to do. Now, that is not Kegels. Why is that not Kegels? Well, I don't know any other muscle group in our body that we squeeze and relax and squeeze and relax when we have a problem. Now, when we have a problem, let's say with our shoulder, or maybe we just continue with this leg analogy, if I'm walking around and I'm having a lot of problems with my leg, whether it's hurting, whether it's giving out, whether it's, um, you know, think, think of something that maybe you've had a leg problem before. I've had lots of knee pain and hip pain in my life. And I have noticed that like sometimes walking very far distances became a problem or running far, whatever it might be. If you had someone tell you, okay, I just need you to lay there with your leg and I just want you to squeeze all the muscles and relax and squeeze all the muscles and relax. What do you think you would think? Like if that was the plan and they said, yep, okay, go ahead, go along your merry way. And you just continue doing that. You would think, why, why did I come here? Why did I spend this money? Like this has to be a joke. Am I getting pranked or punked? Right? Like that, that's what would come to my mind because I know, and I know that you know, that we have to do more than just squeeze muscles and relax. So to solve this sneezing when you, or leaking when you sneeze, we are gonna have to do a whole lot more than just squeeze and relax and squeeze and relax. So I wanna tell you about that today. <laughs> we are going to use the method that I have used for thousands of my patients and hundreds of my clients online. And it's called the No Kegels University Method. And it's really quite easy. There's four phases. I'm gonna tell you about them today so you can get started right now. First and foremost, phase one is that your tissues are moving and moving well. Phase two is that your pressure system is intact. Phase three is that is when we start strengthening using what I call the VAB3 principles. And phase four is maintenance mode. So listen with me here for a moment. First and foremost, as we consider phase one, the reason that our tissues need to move and move well is because we cannot um, strengthen our muscles unless they are in a position to move throughout their full available range of motion. This is important because we wanna make sure that like our arm, for example, if I'm doing this, I can get my arm stronger if I had weights, of course, but if, but if I only have this much motion, and if you're listening in the podcast, I'm just wiggling my arm just a little bit compared to the whole big thing. That is important because there's no way you're going to get strong enough if you aren't using that full range of motion. If you're just using a little bit of that motion that you have available, 
Those muscles are never going to be strong. They're never going to be functional. They're never going to help you do what those muscles were initially designed to do. So when we start considering, okay, well, what's happening with our pelvic floor? Well, here is what I want you to consider. Those tissues have to move. Where this can become an issue is if you have experienced a lot of negative emotion. Meaning, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, um, those are the types of emotions where that pelvic floor is going to tighten up and potentially be tight. It's different for everyone, but it's a consideration that I think it's an important um, step to take with this. The other piece here is that if you have had hip, um, issues with hip injuries or knee injuries or ankle injuries, because if you are limited in any of those joints, chances are very high that, that those pelvic floor muscles have followed that those particular muscles lead previously, whenever this time was, and those pelvic floor muscles might have become tight because maybe they were not considered in the whole host of um, the issues that were coming up with that hip or knee or ankle injury at the time. So if that's you, then this is where getting these tissues moving and moving well is going to come into play. So of course there's stretching, of course there's working on the muscles. And then the other piece that I want to say here, especially if you have had babies, is to ask yourself, well, did I tear or did I have an episiotomy? And if the answer is yes, then this is for you specifically. Because scar tissue doesn't stay local and it can impede how those muscles are working or not working. So it's very important to ensure that we are doing a good job so that we can um, get those muscles moving the way they're supposed to and then start asking them to be strong in phase two or phase three. Phase two is our pressure system intact. Now this gets a little sciencey, but all I want to say here is that it is so important that we ensure that our pressure system is doing what it's designed to do. And the piece I'm going to tell you here, and I will leave that training in the link below, but balloon breathing. Lots of people will call it diaphragmatic breathing. They will call it 360 breathing, but I feel like Many of those techniques leave out, at least in the instruction, not that it needs to be part of the name, but they'll leave out the piece where they're talking about, okay, well that pelvic floor has to drop with that breath. And that pelvic floor does not need to be told or activated or tightened when we exhale. So a lot of people will teach, okay, as we inhale, the belly's gonna blow up. I don't know if everyone teaches this, I've seen it um, excluded sometimes is that that pelvic floor, they may or may not mention that that pelvic floor has to drop too. So the premise is, is that as we inhale, belly blows up like a balloon, pelvic floor drops. When we exhale, balloon deflates or our belly deflates and our pelvic floor gently rises. I have seen people teach that we have to tighten our pelvic floor muscles on that exhale. That part has always confused me because we don't have to tell our body have to, how to breathe. So why are we telling what muscles to contract when we're supposed to be breathing, which is the natural and physiological thing? If our muscles aren't tightening, they're just gently returning, then we should let them gently return. We should not tell them what to do. So as you're doing this balloon breathing and trying to mimic this, this should all be very passive and gentle. I like to think of waves moving up the sand, moving down the sand, moving up the sand, all very gentle. Phase three is strengthening through VAB3 principles. And this is just taking a look, these VAB3 principles, they're just taking a look at the way in which the pelvic floor works naturally and physiologically. So we're not having to reinvent the wheel here, we're just considering, okay, well, how does the pelvic floor work? Well, the pelvic floor works with vertical motion. 
We already talked about that in the beginning of this video and episode. Um, the A is for above the pelvis. So anytime we load something above the pelvis, I like to simplify that and just think of like an arm, putting an arm overhead. It's going to increase the load and the tension down through the pelvis, which is going to make that pelvic floor work. Isn't that the best news? Then um, B is for below the pelvis. And that is where that principle, do you remember when I brought up in that phase one, when I said, have you, if you have had an issue with hip, with ankle, with knee, whatever our hip is doing or not doing, that pelvic floor is going to follow. So in phase one, this is where it begins to be the most important, or I shouldn't say the most important, but a really important piece that we miss. If you have a history of hip stuff, knee stuff, ankle stuff, that is going to end up showing up. That's why we wanna take care of that in phase one. But we're also going to use the B for below in the VAB3 principles because whatever the hip is doing or not doing, it's going to decide what the pelvic floor is doing or not doing. That's the best news, I think. And then phase, er, the three is all three planes. So the pelvic floor is the only group of muscles in all the body that has fibers that run in all three planes, meaning front to back, side to side, and then diagonal or rotational. The cool thing about this is that for us being functional individuals and living in this 3D world, I think it's really important for us to consider that this is a very important muscle group because if this is the only muscle group that has fibers in all three planes and we're 3D people, that should tell us how important this muscle group is. So the VAB3 principles is really just using bits of those pieces inside the, the VAB3 to help create or hold an exercise up against to consider that that pelvic floor is working. And then phase four is maintenance mode. That's just ensuring that everything you did in phase one and phase two and phase three, you're kind of just circling around. Now, this is not the place for me to tell you exactly how to do all of this. So I want to offer to you, I have included a free training in that entire method in the show notes below and I would love for you to grab it. And if you are confused, well, I don't know what I need help with or I don't, I'm confused about the training, then be sure to check out the Your Pelvic Floors Next Step form. If you take just a few minutes and fill that out, you will get a personalized response from me telling you your specific next step that you need to do. And those have become some of my most very favorite things to do inside of my business and inside Beyond the V and No Kegels University because these are the messages that I'm getting from women saying, I have given up all hope and then I heard your method and I have just a little bit of hope left because the way you do it is so different than what I've heard before and it just gives me hope. And that is what I want for you. I want you to have hope. I want you to not only have hope, but I want you to have success and I want you to have progress and I want you to have the outcome that you want. Now, we've talked a lot today about how or why we leak when we sneeze. And while that might seem, oh, it's not that big of a deal, I just have to cross my knees and hope that it doesn't catch me off guard, or I just have to make sure that I empty my bladder before I, <laughs> you know, I'm out in case I sneeze. These are the types of things that I personally feel like, and I've seen it, I've seen it weigh on my patients, I've seen it weigh on my clients. And chances are, if your pelvic floor is not strong enough to support you with your sneeze, it may or may not be strong enough to support you in so many other things, like walking and running and playing with your kids or playing with your grandkids and all of those other things. 
And so with that, I want to encourage you to at least go grab that free training, fill out that Your Pelvic Floors Next Step form, and you will get a personalized response from me. And with that, remember, you're an heiress and a queen and everything in between. See you in the next one. If you enjoyed this episode or even wondered if I can help you, check the show notes for more details. And to see what else I'm up to, follow me on the socials at Beyond the V period by Polly. Because I'm changing the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more, I still need your help. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend or two. See you next week.